Peace. Hello, welcome to episode 166 of Three Beers in a Movie. I am Richard Laird, and tonight I'm with Barry Neil. Barry, we're once again doing this by Zoom because the whole world, or the whole Scotland and Britain, is about to go into lockdown again, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but once again, we're not allowed to be within touching distance of each other. Yes. Yeah. Will this sequel live up to the first one? Who only knows? Sequels never do, and less people, more people might be involved in it, but no one's going to be as happy. Um, so, <laughs> you're at home, I'm at home. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a cheeky wee beer called Shahelian. Oh, Shahelian. Who's that from? Yeah. Uh, Harveston Brewery. It's actually a really nice one. Um, I think we've had a few from Harveston Brewery before. For some reason, like Morrison's up here in Scotland were like stalking them for ages. But then all of a sudden they just stopped stalking them. And then they just started stalking the other one from the brewery. And I'm like, God damn it. They do seem to go in sort of cycles. The only thing you actually find constantly yeah. in like sort of like Morrison's Tesco now in terms of like sort of craft beer is you always find brew dog. Mm. You know? mm. In the West of Scotland, you'll usually always find West as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. everything else seems to be sort of like, yes, you might get more stuff most of the time, but it's always sort of a bit more rotational. You know, they'll, they'll sort of, it'll depend on what they're, what they're pushing. You know, like yeah. recently I found that First World Problems, that's been available in Morrison's all mm. the time. Whereas before that was like sort of occasionally available, but now it's been there every single week. Nice, nice. Yeah, so very happy with that one. Right. Um, I'm not on well, any beer because I am still kind of a little bit hungover. So I'm on a, I've got a very <laughs> large mug of tea. Lovely. Very grown up of you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so we talked about a little, little bit at the start there. Um, it looks like the country's heading back into lockdown. Um, so that essentially means probably less cinema oh. viewings. I imagine cinemas might be sort of shutting their doors soon again, unfortunately. Um, the government really hasn't come out and said what exactly is going to be happening with cinemas and pubs and clubs and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. But I sense yeah. that based on the fact the films that are out in the cinema right now are still the same ones that were out when the cinemas first opened, that mm. there is not a lot of faith and a lot of sort of um, belief in the studios that if they put anything out just now, people are going to go and see it. I- I'm very much getting mm. that that vibe. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and also. At least this time I'll actually get to enjoy lockdown with everyone else. Yes, you can. You're not going to be able to watch can, every day. You can, you can enjoy yeah, sitting at home can. watching movies all the time like I did and try to work your way through Netflix. Play Flight Simulator. Yeah, you can play Truck yes. Simulator, Flight Simulator, whatever you want to play this now. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. Maybe take up a spot of farming in the afternoon, you know, with Farm what? Simulator. You know, Farm Bill or something like that, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> a man whose life is only simulated. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like we are going to be back in lockdown. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. Hopefully, the world yeah. can fix itself and hopefully we can avoid it. But it does seem our head in that way. So, I don't know what that can do for cinema viewings. What it does mean, I'm guessing, yeah. is that we will be watching a shit ton more of things on Netflix and yeah. um, Amazon and all that kind of stuff. So, we'll be pushing our way through oh, yeah. them as we will be doing over the next couple of weeks again. And um, we'll have to see exactly what we, can, what we can watch, what we can see. Okay. Um, so with that in mind, we're going to start with one that I've seen, you've not seen. It's called Don't Let Go, which is available in Sky Cinema. Um, directed by Jacob Estes, who directed Mean Creek, and he was a writer of the Rings movie, the sort of recent horror film, Rings. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the plot of this one is there's a police officer who's very close with his, his, um, his niece. She is, she is murdered. Uh, he's obviously grieving for his mother of his niece. Um, but then literally about a month or so later, he gets a phone call from his niece. 
and it's but it's from the past. So he's in a sort of weird mm. time loop where, the, where he's talking to his niece in the past. So he try to use talking to her in the past and trying to use that to try and figure out how she got into the situation she got to get murdered and who was doing who was possibly going to be the one who murdered her. Um, her father and, mm. and her uncle are sort of mixed up in sort of nefarious deeds. Um, so, so he's trying to figure out the murder and ho- number one, hopefully preventing the murder. And number two, if you can't prevent it, find out who did it. Um, so in the film, you've got David Oelio, um, who's in a lot of stuff. You might have seen him recently in Interstellar. who's also in The Gringo. Uh, really good actor. He's also in Selma, uh, United Kingdom. Really, really good actor. One of those really good character actors who's finally getting a sort of chance to sort of shine in bigger roles. Um, Stormweed from A Wrinkle in Time, the young girl in that. She plays uh, Denise. Uh, Makiti Williamson, who, if you know Forrest Gump, he plays Bubba in Forrest Gump. Ah, cool. He plays uh, the the father. Uh, Alfred Molina, Doc Ock from Spider-Man, he pops up in it as well. And Brian Tyree Henry as well from Widows, he pops up in there as well. So it's a very, very solid cast. Um, and that's one of the good things about it. The, the, the performances from all the all the, the players, the, the, particularly the two leads, are fantastic. You know, they, they commit to the role. They are really good in, the, in what the performances. And certainly when all the performances taking place over the phone, because obviously they're talking to each other in different time periods. So they're not really together for a lot of the film. They're a wee bit at the start um, of the film, they're sort of together. But other than that, the, the two leads um, are working sort of off screen with each other. So that was really impressive. And they bring a lot of commitment to performances. Um, the, the only thing that doesn't really work is that the, the time travel roles get muddled. And we've talked about this before. We're watching a few other things recently. Um, that James versus the future self. You know, if you're going to have time travel in it, I've no problem having it in it, but you've got to stick to your rules. And if you start breaking your rules of time travel, then the story and everything falls apart. And this breaks its rules. So the rules get muddled and that sort of mixes up the tone a little bit. So it doesn't really quite vibe the way you kind of want it to. Um, it's a good idea, mm. but it does sort of dissolve into sort of a, towards the end, just a very routine cop thriller. It doesn't really have anything beyond oh. that. It's a bit of a shame. Um, it's a good idea, good cast. The director shows some flair and people can offer next. But it, it felt like, it, I, I'd never heard of it before. And I, don't, and I, and I, I like the people involved in it, so I thought I maybe would have heard of this. I don't know if it's been caught up in COVID or if it just went straight to DVD. Um, and to be yep. honest, watching it, it feels very like a straight to DVD, straight to streaming service kind of movie. It doesn't seem like a cinematic movie in mm. many ways. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah, yeah. But, not a bad film by any stretch, and it's one of those films you might watch on a Sunday night, just when you're lying on the couch, you know, when the week's coming to an end and you're trying to get pegged up for the Monday. Just sort of nice, sort of relaxing, mm. not relaxing, but sort of a decent thriller watch, but nothing out of the ordinary other than the fact the time travel thing in it, but they just they don't commit to that enough to make it really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, out of 10, I give it a very solid 6 out of 10, which yeah, right. worth a watch. But I felt it had a lot more promise than it actually than it delivered. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, on from that one, next few films you have seen, so we can discuss a little bit more in detail. Uh, the first one is a documentary. Mm. Um, well, documentary with a little bit of drama in it as well, which is interesting. Um, it's available on Netflix. Yeah. It's, it's a doc. It's called The Social Dilemma, um, directed by Jeff Orlovsky, who's done some interesting stuff before. He's actually done a lot of documentaries about nature and sort of um, climate change. He's done one called Chasing Ice. We sort of going, oh, yes. sort of yeah, documenting yeah. Um, glaciers and things like that, uh, and also aye, living, with, living with jaguars. So he's done some more of the kind of nature stuff. This, this seems a bit of a departure for him because this one is basically about um, 
the social networks, you know, your, your Twitters, your Facebooks, all this kind of stuff, and how they sort of infiltrated society and how they become sort of yeah part of basically basically their lives and how what what the what they can be used for good and bad a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does interestingly though is it's got the talking head thing you see in a normal documentary, you're you're very used to, but mixed in with that has sort of like almost like I want to say like reconstructions or sort of drama sort of like versions of, of like yeah. what media can do and also this sort of other version of a media version a sort of a, a dramatization of how the internet works to keep your attention how these apps work to keep your attention so it's quite interesting how they done that and um, so the actors who pop up in it are vincent kurtheiser who you know from mad men and cara hayward mm-hmm. skylar gizondo who is in vacation and booksmart um, and then also a plethora of silicon valley talking heads alums mm. um, yes most of whom yes. i did not know the names of i think the big hitters aren't there like none, none of the sort of the top top men are there it's all sort of underlying no it was yeah and it was all guys and guy predominantly guys because that one person uh, that one giggle she actually wrote a book yeah. uh, I, it was all predominantly guys who had been in the tech industry, uh, built the empire, realised it was fucked, and then went, yeah, I'm going to show myself out. Aye. And just quietly yeah. left. I mean, yeah. And then yeah. started this crusade against it, what they had built. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of this? Because this is sort of in your chat. This is in your wheelhouse, this one. Yeah, where you can find us all at three beers on a movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might not, we might not yeah. approve, of it, uh, approve of the, the social media, but we do embrace it, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, it, you're not learning anything new from this documentary, put it that Agreed. way. Agreed. And, yes. if you are, and if you are learning something new from it, then <laughs> maybe go outside more. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. You know, for a long time, I came off Facebook. Just nothing was happening on it and all the rest of it. And I did find my life was significantly... I had, I just found myself doing more things. Yes. Whereas now, okay, I jump back on. And I do periodically check it, but albeit a lot less. But I am very guilty of checking other social medias um, for like periods of time and then putting my phone down and then checking them again. Yeah, uh, we're all guilty of that, I think, yeah. But it's like, I just, it's good that these people are coming out and saying, like, yeah, we've actually created this system and, yeah, we've kind of realized that it's actually tearing society apart because it's so polar. It's either this way or it's that way. There's very seldomly people can find common ground on it. Yeah. It's either I'm standing over here with my pitchfork and I'm going to stab you, and you're standing over there with your pitchfork and you're going to stab me, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I you know, society functioned before social media. I'd like to hope it could survive if social media just disappeared one day. You know. Yeah. What do you think of the, the documentary itself? Did you did you enjoy the way what they did with it? Uh, uh yeah, I actually quite like that kind of style of like uh, the talking heads from Old Silicon Valley, and then you've seen pretty much, uh, pretty much you've seen a family essentially kind of being absorbed by social media and the fact that the breakdown of communication within the family and how like 
the boy just fell down the rabbit hole of like conspiracies and uh, kind of more hard leaning agendas. Yeah. You know, it did feel very much yeah. like, like the those two dramatizations. I quite like the one with the sort of the insider media network, how it works to keep your attention. It's sort all of the three elements of it. Mm. So that, that was like sort of like almost inside an app, how, how an app works. I like, I, I quite enjoyed that. I thought I liked that part, how they use yeah. that, how they sort of try and push your attention. The dramatization of yes. the family, I found so cringy. It felt like it was mm. like sort of this very heightened version of it. It looks almost like what the, almost the right wing of thinks, like sort of, or what, what the both wing, left and right wings think apps do to people. You know, it's like this sort of, you know, mm. there's no, there is no, you know, the idea like if you start looking at social media feed, because in the, in the dramatization, you've got the, the sister who looks at nothing and she's supposedly all nice and healthy and nothing wrong with her. And then the, yeah. the, the, the son looks at an app once, essentially, and becomes the sort of like crazy <laughs> conspiracy theorist guy, you know, who is in a drama on it. It's like, going, I feel there should be some sort of middle ground between the two, you know, where you can, yeah. you can spend too much time on it. But you're not going to be sort of completely coerced into you know sort of you know believing every sort of mad conspiracy theory. Um, I mean, the kids were fucked from the very beginning anyway because at no point did they ever address the fact that the dad was black, but yet all the kids were white and the mum's white. You know, you think you, think like, you get some stories to tell? Is that you think? It's not like Chinese as well. Maybe Vietnamese. Yeah, the, the I, youngest child was like I, Vietnamese. Why did going? So yeah. Let's assume it's an adopted family. Uh, it's an adopted family as yeah. opposed to the mothers pouring it around all over the place. Um, but then that, even that, <laughs> the family, even the family itself felt like sort of like the ultimate sort of nuclear family. You had to have like sort of the dad's of colour, the mum's white. Yeah. One of the one of the, yeah. the you know all, all the kids fill certain dynamics as well, and it's like oh, did you have to like yeah, you have to, you have to tick, almost tick like every box to try and like sort of make it palatable to people. It's like oh, you don't have to you know. Sometimes you do get just families that are like a all black or a all white. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that part, and it felt a lot of times it felt like it almost felt like an after, you know, the kind of after school specials you would get, or even the sort of stuff you used to have to watch yes. in like yeah. your primary school, and it's sort of like don't do drugs, kids. This is what happened to you. And it's, it felt very much like that. It felt very cheesy. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Very unrealistic. The talking head stuff. Yes. It starts off interesting, but then it just mm. seems like all they do is repeat the same thing over and over again for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a simple thing of we made that out uh, the algorithm, and then we're like, "Oh fuck, we've actually we've actually made it not too good, but we've made it in such a way where it will." In fact, the best analogy because I was going to say this anyway is when the main guy relates it to the slot machines in Vegas. Yeah, how it's like it's like they go deeper than just like keeping you hooked. It's about making you constantly come back all the time. Uh -huh, yeah. You know? And I'm just like, that is the perfect analogy for it yeah. all. It's just like, you know, just drop that little nugget of new in there and you're pretty much sorted. You uh, know? I mean, and also, but, it'd be like, like you said at the very start of the discussion of this documentary, Nothing about it felt new. Like I, I assume, like I assume, anyone yeah. who's watching this on Netflix must know this stuff already. That social media apps so. are addictive. Surely, no one's watching this going, "Oh my god, I never mm -hmm. realised this." What's that? <laughs> you know, hi. Yeah. You know, it's like no one's, it's, no one's yeah. surprised by this. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, it did. For that kind of message, it seemed very, seemed very bizarre. And yeah, like you said, there'll maybe be like a kind of a school special that they slap on to make sure kids are aware that that is something behind these websites like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and all that stuff. It's like that is a deeper lying machine harvesting money all the time from you, you know. And that's what you have to constantly be be aware of, you know. Yeah. That's why you all see mad adverts all the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The documentary itself didn't really get much out of it, to be honest. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really learn anything. And that's one of the things that when I'm watching yeah. like, I feel like I want to learn something. And I don't think I, don't think mm. I learned anything. No. No. It's uh, even the guy with the dreadlocks, see the guy who was like the cab, the cab pioneer of like VR it's like he was the guy who was probably I'd say you know the most outspoken about it all but but being absolutely like just no holds barred about it all everyone else was being kind of (laughs) yeah we know what we've done and cap but always kind of holding back like almost like they don't want to embarrass don't want to shoot themselves in a in the foot for getting a job, yeah. But he himself was just right out there saying, "Like, yeah, we went too far with this," you know. Yeah. Um, but, out, yeah. Out of ten, would you give it? <sighs> I'm gonna give it five because, yeah, same as you. I learned nothing from this because I have taken extended breaks from social media yeah. a lot of the time, and it's nice, you know. You come yeah. back to it, and then you're like, yeah. And you do see how folk get pure absorbed by it, you know? Yeah. I'll give it a six. A, quite, a, a six. I quite like how they put it together at times, you know, some of the stuff put together with it. But it felt like very, very, very low-hanging fruit, you know? Mm. Documentary about social media being bad for you. It's like, that just doesn't teach me anything anymore. You've got to, you've got to find a better yeah. angle than that, you know? And I, I don't think it's found... This did not find an angle that I found particularly sort of, like, revealing or interesting. Yeah. And it's like, we all know the way that, like, things like YouTube work as well. It's like, if you watch any kind of video, you can guarantee that your recommended page or the bar down the side will start getting filled up with stuff similar to that, you know? Like, they brought this out, like, five, six years ago, it might have been more, like, oh my Mm. god, I didn't know they could track that much information, but we all all know this stuff now, It's it's not revealing anything new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I said like to you at some point that um, I had watched a whole bunch of um, footage for the new flight simulator game that it came out to the point where one of the planes in the game, the company that makes that, started like I started getting recommended the actual trailer uh, for their actual plane, Aye. and I'm just like, <laughs> interesting. It's obviously the, Ooh, the track. You did seem what you're interested in. That's all it is. Yeah. 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 So if you don't know anything about social media, sit and watch Social Dilemma. Other than that, I don't think you get much out of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, on from that, we shall go to a war movie, which I was ever a fan of the war movies. Um, this oh, one yes. is called Danger Close The Battle of Long Tan, um, directed by mm. Kriv Sanders, who directed the film Red Dog, very, very famous Australian movie about a, a dog, obviously. Uh, and 
Um, so the plot of this film essentially it is a troop of Australian soldiers in Vietnam who are vastly outnumbered yeah. when it came to fighting a contingent of Vietnamese soldiers. And it is a, essentially the battle of them trying to hold the line in order to, to stop them breaking through. And that's basically the film. It's, it's, it's mm. your Zulu, it's your Hacksaw Ridge, it's Gallipoli, it's, it's all those kind of films. It's, 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 that, it's that movie. Um, a very yes. unknown cast, uh, Travis Femel. Yeah. He was probably the most famous guy. He's in Vikings, if you've ever watched Vikings. Um, Daniel Weber, he turned up in 11, 22, 63, and he's also in The Punisher. Luke Bracey from Hacksaw Ridge. Richard Roxburgh, is a kind of, kind of theater actor. And Nicholas Hamilton, who was in the new It movie. But none of them are instantly recognizable. It does seem very much of a, a very thrilling cast of guys who you kind of maybe recognize. You go, I kind of know that guy, but I really can't think of anything he's in. Um, mm. So... I'll start and say this. I am a big fan of Australian cinema. I, I'm actually, I really like Australian cinema. Australian cinema is sort of like the punk rock of cinema. It does all the things American yeah, yeah. cinema does, but it does it usually in a really kind of dirty, nasty, sort of just a bit different way. So I'm, I'm always very much into yeah, any yeah. sort of Aussie movie. Um, this, unfortunately, did not excite me at all because it didn't... I was, in, I was intrigued to see an Australian perspective on the Vietnam War, you know, because it's something we don't normally see. Um, because... Mm. You know, it's a gully move. Alright, so I've got pause for two seconds there. Pause for the cause. Mm. Yep, called now, okay. Um, yeah, so I look forward to seeing like a, a, a different perspective on the Vietnam War. Mm. We're so used to now seeing the American side, we've seen thousands of films on the American side. Not seen so many of the Vietnam side, which, which maybe it's tougher for us to find Vietnam films about Vietnam War because maybe they're not available to us quite as much, but that's not an excuse. So to see an side of the conflict, you know, from this other perspective, because realise how close Vietnam is to Australia, it makes sense, you know, why they would be worried about the kind of yes. uh, Russians coming in, Soviet coming down, so that's why obviously they got involved. Um, unfortunately, I thought this version just felt like a very cheap Hollywood version of... Yes, an American war movie. It didn't really seem like it gave me any new perspective on the Australian side of it. It just felt like this is a, this is a sort of almost a straight to video version of an American war movie that's been done. It, the only thing it was lacking was it needed it sort of like if it's made in America and under the Hollywood system, it probably had like sort of some sort of B list big name actor in it. You know, maybe like an Eric Roberts would have been in it or something. You know, somebody like that, or you know, or a wrestler John Cena would have been in it, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, Batista. Um, Batista, maybe, but even that—that's too big. It'd yeah. be sort of like you need to give me a wrestler who's like sort of like a B-list wrestler just now, you know, someone who was, you know, who we could pop up in it. Steve Austin, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. Steve Austin, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, he looks Australian. Yeah. Um, I think I know about it more was like until the final scene, like not even the final scene, the final kind of coda, like sort of a little bit of text. They barely they didn't even know the fact mm. that the he's a fighting this thing. You know, they didn't, didn't even yeah. acknowledge any any part of their sort of like their fight or their what they were doing. It's almost very much it just sort of mm. fed into that sort of the Aussie Gallipoli myth of like the, the, the Aussies standing alone and fighting alone and like no one can stop them and it's sort of like uh, it just felt very jingoistic to me and just didn't really offer much beyond that. What about yourself? Yeah. Uh, I did like uh, how it got the classic Vietnamese war soundtrack in there, albeit yes. just for one song, but the, they did get it in. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was an okay movie. Like you said, it was a very kind of 
watered down kind of Hollywood movie. Um, you know, obviously, like the budget isn't as high as maybe Clearly, yeah, other yeah, war yeah. movies, you know. But for the most part, I thought the storytelling was kind of nice. It was kind of nice that how you thought the car cap or the car like, aye, the car leader of like Delta, he was just a complete hard ass and all that, and he did ride the guys hard. But then at the end, you did actually see him like uh, starting to crack and stuff, and yeah, that was kind of nice to see, you know. And how you seen like the kind of more human side of him when he was talking to that other fella um, about his like wedding and all that, you know. Well, the thing about that is like there's nothing there you haven't seen in American war films, so there's nothing different. That's True. that's the thing. There's not True. there's nothing that made it distinctly Australian apart from having the Australian cast. It didn't feel like, it didn't yeah. feel like an Aussie I- war movie. I would actually really like to see a really well done uh, Vietnamese war movie from the Vietnamese side. Yes. I really would like to see that. You know, I, mean, I think the Killing Field is a good example, but it's still an American film. But it's just it's a Killing Field. It's, it's an American. It's sort of like it's, it's more from the Vietnamese, Vietnamese side. But yeah, I agree. And mm. I would like to see that, but also just I like to see the Aussie side of it. I don't. I don't really feel like I got the Aussie side of this. All I got was Aussies almost pretend to be Americans. That's all it really was. Even the yeah. end, Coda, when they talk about, you know, the American military gave them all the credit for this thing, you're going like, oh, fuck me. Why does that matter if the American military give you credit? Surely you stand on your own. You know, it just, it just felt very, very an Americanization of an Australian moment, which maybe perhaps could have been told better if it had a more distinctly Australian soul and spirit to it. And there was mm. nothing about this that felt Australian to me. It just felt, it just felt extremely American. Just with an Australian accent. That's all. That's that's the annoying thing about it, and that's what I feel the real mess when yeah. it came to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, I did quite like it how at the end it popped up the pictures of the actual guys. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. That was a nice wee touch because you did actually see a lot of the guys did actually look like them. Like they really went to town to try and find people that looked like yeah. the actual guys. Totally, but again, yeah. that's you've seen that in like a hundred American war movies. So it's like, why, like, why do mm. the same thing? You know, why make it the same? You know, if you're going to yeah. do it, do yeah. it different, do it more interesting, put your own stamp and spin on it. Don't just make the same thing with your own accent. Do something that makes it distinctly something that belongs to your country. The good thing was it wasn't a particularly long war movie in that's the grand true, scheme yeah. of things. <laughs> I think it. I think it only came in at like two hours or somehow just under the two hour mark. So it wasn't a particularly long war movie, you know. No, I agree. So it, it was at least we, economical for its time, which we all mean you're always grateful. Especially when I try to watch a lot of movies in the mm-hmm. same, especially a, a week. Um, so that was definitely an enjoyable part of it. But yeah, just I had such high hopes for it. I really hoped for something really, really different and interesting. And I just felt like I got the same as I've always got from. So. Not the top tier war films, but you know, like your Seven Private Ryan's, your platoons, you know, um, the, the top level ones. This felt like very yeah. much in the straight to DVD, straight to home video version of a war film. And that just felt very, a mischance, a real mischance. Yeah, it was very much like a case of, like, uh, it had the same, uh, the same kind of vibe, I thought, as that Nicolas Cage war movie that he done. Uh, one Talkers. Definitely. Yeah, definitely yeah. not top tier, but it told a, an interesting story. Yeah, an interesting story just could have been told differently. Um, out of 10, what do you give it? Uh, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give it a 7. Um, you're generous. I can give it a 6. Because um, it was well made to a certain point, just 
not what mm. I really wanted, not what I really hoped for. Um, but yeah, six out of ten for a Danger Close, The Battle of Long Tan. Um, and final yeah. film, on to the, I, I would say this is the main event of this week, the one I think both of us were looking forward to the most. Uh, out of um, all the films we'll read this week. And that is Return of Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted Face oh. Music. Um, directed by Dean Parasot, who directed Red 2, and more importantly directed the magnificent Galaxy Quest. Have you ever seen Galaxy Quest? Oh, it's yes, a phenomenal, phenomenal film. So that's that. When you start talking about remake or doing a third Bill and Ted, obviously much like yourself, probably was a bit kind of apprehensive going like, why touch it? Why go into it? But when he yeah. got involved, going, that's some interesting stuff to get involved. And it's original writers are involved in it. Steven Soderbergh is amazingly involved in it, which I thought was completely bizarre, but very happy to have that. And the plot of this one is Bill and Ted are now 30 years older than they were, 25, 30 years older than what they were from, from after Bogus Journey. They have still been tasked with writing the song that will unite mankind, uh, but they haven't done that yet. And essentially, they've sort of basically fallen on harder times. They went from playing the Grand Canyon to now playing what was it like um, uh, nightclubs and sort uh, of like just some dive bar, yeah. dive bars and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're tasked this time to try and still find the beats as well. So they start traveling through time, and it's time's about to collapse on itself. They start traveling further into the future, try and find their future selves in order that they can get the song from them that they will eventually write so they can try and stop world from imploding. Um, at the same time, their children, uh, two daughters, are going through time trying to get together all the great musicians in history to make up the ultimate band to play the ultimate song that Bill and Ted will write. Um, Convoluted mm. plot. It's, there's a lot of plot there, but it's probably it's, I'm making it a lot more complex than actually. It's very, that's quite a simple plot. Two, you know, um, in the film you've obviously got Keanu Reeves playing Ted. You've got Alex Winters playing Bill. Uh, you've got Samara Weaving playing the daughter of Alex Winters, and Bridget Lundy Payne is playing the daughter of Keanu Reeves. Um, mm. Back from the original, William Sadler was back as Death, which was delightful. Um, you've got Kirsten Schall, she's playing the Rufus role, um, Kelly, which I thought, um, which is, I'll get to later, has a lovely touch, uh, and Gillian mm. Bell pops up as a therapist, and Jamma Mays pops up as one of the wives as well, she's a few things out with this. Um, what do you think of this one? I thought it was okay. You are just okay? It, it had all the good nostalgia points, but would I have went to the cinema to see it? Probably. Would I have came out feeling a bit robbed because I had paid for the cinema? Yes. I think really? I think this is yeah. Like I said, it hit all the nostalgia points and I was loving it. But outside of that, it was a fleeting moment. I think I think this would have done just as well if it came out on like any of the streaming platforms. Well, it is on VOD. It is on VOD. It's, it's in the cinema just now, but it's also on VOD as well. They've got a dual release to try and maximize its audience. See, I would go, again, yeah, I would yeah. go opposite that because there's been two films released in the last six months of featuring double acts who I adore and mm. was happy to do them back. So, where Jay Silent Bob's reboot was out six months ago mm. or so, I was thoroughly underwhelmed by that and frankly at times disappointed by that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, this was charming as hell. I absolutely enjoyed the fuck out of this. I thought it was really lovely. It was really yeah, yeah. funny. It was really silly. 
and just seeing um, Keanu and Alex together as Bill and Ted, I thought was just genuinely just made me feel so happy and so wonderful. It, it was such a lovely touch to see them both together again. Um, yeah. And just like almost not missing a beat. They, they were acting the same, but it felt it, it felt real, and I thought it was really nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I just, you can see there's a good friendship there. Oh, there's a true friendship there, definitely. Um, and it's kind of the kind of sequel we needed right now for a world that is getting infinitely more depressing. Um, <laughs> like a, Bill and Ted bring a lot of joy to the world. Um, the mm. story is simple, and it makes as much sense as the other films. So I think the plot is almost, it, it's a minor device and just enjoying time with these characters. So that's really what it's all about. Um, I thought the two girls playing the sibling, uh, the, 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 the daughters, I thought they were great. Particularly the one playing Keanu's daughter, who I thought was fucking, she got his mannerisms down to an absolute key, and actually she felt very Keanu-like. I thought it was really good. To the point where for most of the movie, I was like, is that a boy who's becoming a woman, or is that a woman who's a boy? Yeah. <laughs> she does, she, it was all. But she, she, she got the Keanu sort of attitude down so well. Um, and you can yeah, see that you can imagine yeah. her being a sub, uh, being a, a an offspring of Keanu, um, but it, the, the true joy is it's all the wee touches like you know seeing William Sadler back again that's lovely to see him as death it was so funny and it was just really clever. Um, mm. I like the wee, the wee cameo by George Carlin who obviously passed away like a decade ago. They used his hologram mm. as Rufus. I thought that was lovely. Um, yeah, that was nice. That was nice. Um, I love the fact they named the new Rufus Kelly. And if you don't know, mm. Jaws Carlin's real life daughter is called Kelly. So, uh, they, so they named Ruf, the Ruf, the new Rufus after his daughter, which I thought, and she's in the film as a sort of cameo, sort of like an extra somewhere as well. So I thought that was a really okay, nice cool. touch that they brought her in and they, they sort of honoured the Jaws Carlin legacy with naming the new title Kelly. Um, I just thought it was really warm. It just—it is funny throughout. There's some really silly moments, like the bits when they're fighting each other, like sort of like the sort of the, the older versions of themselves, and it just yeah. Yeah, so much charm and so much love, and just it just honestly, I, I, it's a lovely time watching it. And that's—I needed a lovely film on Friday night, and this was a lovely film to watch on a Friday night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good. You're I'm glad you seem less convinced by this. Where are the Bill and Ted yeah, I did that. I, I watched um, I watched the two of them. I don't know, maybe like a couple of years ago. Right, can't remember where I've seen them now, but I did watch them. Yeah, like I said, that hits all the nostalgia points. But I'm just about like, ah, I could have lived with this movie. Uh, it wouldn't have changed how I feel about it. You know, I'm so. I genuinely, I found it absolutely adorable and lovely. Like, but, but, <laughs> like, like I compared it around to Jane Silent Bob reboot. Did you enjoy Jane Silent Bob reboot? Yeah, I bet to it. It was made for the fans. Yes. You know, it was a nice capping off of the, all the kind of stories, sort of speak. You know, but you think, uh, you think this is better than the Bill and Ted was better than Jane Bobby? Oh, yeah. But yes, yes, I'll give it that. Yes, yeah, yes, because I found Jane Silent Bob was a bit car. Just it was like a series of car like sketches. It didn't really feel like an overarching movie. Yes, and I think yeah. that's what this film had got in itself. Yes, there is definitely a sketch episodic element to it as it travels through time, but it did feel there was more of an overreaching mm. story that sort of worked. And also, there's a lot more heart to it in the end, which I thought really worked mm. for me. And I don't want to bring down Jane Bob Reboot, because yeah. both of them are massive, massive Kevin Smith fans, and we're in the bag for anything Kevin Smith does. 
but that film didn't give me the warm and fuzzies that I wanted to give me. Whereas this one made mm. me feel warm and fuzzy watching it, and it felt, and I, I yeah. laughed a lot through it. Like I generally did laugh out loud through a lot of the film. So I give that as a, a total win for it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Out of ten, what are you gonna give it? I'm gonna give it a uh, eight out of ten. See, I'm giving it an eight out of ten as well, but you were really negative on it. But I'm giving it eight as well. How can that doesn't make sense? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But no, I thought. Yeah, I like I said, that hit. Yeah, sorry, you go. Hit all the nice points. Sorry, yeah, it, it just it hits all the nice points. But <sighs> would I was a couple of months ago? Was I sitting here choking for a Bill and Ted's uh, third movie? Absolutely not. Okay, that's, that's a, a fair point. That's a fair point. You, yeah. you you don't need it, but when you got it, you're happy enough with it. That's fair. Yeah. I'll give you that. That seems fair. Yeah. I get it. There's, there's, there is absolutely yeah. no need for it. I do agree with that. There's no need for this Bill and Ted. We've done everything we need to do with Bill and Ted in the first two movies. There's no requirement of a third film. But what he did with the third film, I was yeah. genuinely very pleased with. So, made me happy, made me warm and fuzzy, and I need warm and fuzzy right now. Um, the world is going to hell. Give yeah. me some more Bill and Tedness. <laughs> yeah. <It's> nice. Um, <laughs> so that's all for this week. Next week, we'll get, we'll get another bunch of films, so I'm going to Rattle these off. Some of them, well, one of them is New Mutants, which I've still not seen in the cinema, so I'm going to try my balls to go and see New Mutants this week in the cinema. I've not had a chance to go yet. I am going to Bill and Ted beat it, essentially. Obviously, New Mutants are Bill and Ted. Good luck. Bill and Ted. So, New Mutants are still, if the cinemas are still open and the world's not turned to chaos, I'm going to go and try and see New Mutants. Um, on Good that, luck. I've got a couple of Netflix films. One is called The Devil All the Time, which I haven't heard a lot about. All in the cast looks really, I get Tom Holland in it, looks really interesting, sort of thriller with, with Spider not. Spider-Man in it, but the actor playing Spider-Man. Um, so it was a bit different mm. from what we were expecting. So that's on Netflix now. Also on Netflix, coming out on Wednesday, I think the 23rd, is Enola Holmes, which is, is sort of a almost young adult teen version of Sherlock Holmes. It's Sherlock Holmes' younger sister investigating a crime. It's get, I'm intrigued by it. It's got the girl from Stranger Things playing Enola Holmes, and it's got somebody big playing Sherlock so I'm actually quite it looks very sweet and cute and it, the trailer looks fun it looks like a good sort okay. of fun family movie your face is not sound like you want to I may be back saying the same stuff again that I just <laughs> said for Bill and Ted um, <laughs> and the other one that's on is on Amazon and it's called Get Jute which is about a bunch of kids in the Scottish Highlands getting hunted by Eddie Azar <laughs> so <laughs> okay yeah so look forward to that. Right, it, it, it looks it looks kind of in the same vein as sort of like a Shaun the Dead kind of comedy take on like sort of the thriller. So look okay, that's on, cool. on Amazon. I will send you the list over later <laughs> on today. Um, cool, cool. On that, cool. tell me where to find us. Those who are on media places. <laughs> Awkward. All the all the social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that is that. And for this week, I've been Richard, you've been... Bye. You've been listening to... Three beers in a movie.